Welcome to Fellowship Church. It's glad to have you here today. Uh, my name is Anthony. I'm pastor of Fellowship Church. And today is Sunday, September the 19th. And it rained yesterday, and I am sad. And so many people say, oh, this is our favorite time of year. Why, why would you like rain and cold and gray and dark and gloom? Good people like sun and light and happiness and flowers. So enjoy your pumpkin spice. Um, your apple cider, all the things that come with fall. Um, I prefer summer. So it, it's good to be here today, though. Uh, I want to thank everybody who came out yesterday, worked um, for our uh, work day we had. We got a lot of things done. We were not expecting so much rain, but we still accomplished much. And so thank you so much for all who helped. Um, I have a real quick announcement, and then I want to invite up uh, one of our assistant pastors, Bridget Freshour. She's going to come up and share um, about an intern program that we are launching this fall and introduce our interns that we have for this ministry year. Um, but my quick announcement for you is, uh, is that we are doing um, some classes this fall called Equip. And these are community classes. Last uh, winter and spring, we had some. We're doing some again. Um, this particular semester of these Equip classes, we're having a class on emotional health. And we also have a, a parenting class as well. And so those two classes will be offered on Tuesdays, and that's going to be at 6.30 Tuesday starting this Tuesday. And we just ask that you register on our app. The app's just called FC Online on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. It's uh, FC Online, and you can register for those equipped classes. There's a very small fee associated with it for curriculum, uh, for snacks, and for child care that is provided as well. And um, they're not just drop-in. We do need to know who's coming so we know how much child care to provide, how much food to get. Um, these are Tuesdays. It's going to last six weeks. And then shortly after that, um, later on this year, we're going to be offering a couple discipleship classes, um, digging in deep to theology and to the Bible. Uh, but these classes are, are more about some felt needs that each of us have, uh, emotions and then and parenting is a very felt need. Um, so... Um, with that being said, I'll invite up um, Bridget to come share some things about our internship, and we just want to introduce our interns to you and just um, pray a prayer of blessing over them for this season. And so, Bridget, come on up and tell um, everybody what we're doing. Um, <laughs> my name is Bridget Freshour. I'm an assistant pastor here, and I oversee all things this generation. And this year, that is going to include our internship program, which Anthony and I have been fine-tuning. Um, he developed it a few years ago, and this summer, we were just praying over it, and we're like, we really, really, really need to launch this, um, like hardcore launch this, do something really cool with it. And so we've been praying and developing and fine-tuning um, and we're finally able to launch it. So we have five interns this year, and I want to invite all of them up. I'm not going to call you by name. Come on up here. Yeah. I'll, I'll call them by name. Call this by is name. Brandon. <laughs> you call some by name, Bridget. <laughs> we have Nathan Freshour. Yeah. We have, I forgot Nick's Nick last Miller, name. Nick Miller, right? Is Nick. your last name? Nick McQuaid. McQuaid, yeah, I know your last awesome name. People. I just know you're Nick. I, better, I know a couple of Nick Millers. We have Caleb Ogleberry yeah. with the beautiful long locks. Anthony already said Brandon, but Brandon Johnson. And, and Olivia. And Olivia Mills. 
So this year, these guys are just going to be diving into ministry headfirst. Um, they're going to be go undergoing some biblical training, some ministry training, mentorship, just a ton of just hands-on training. Um, it's going to be a lot, and I'm really excited that they are um, jumping into this with us. But um, if you guys could just be taking time this year to pray over them, pray for them, um, you're going to see them a lot more. Um, they're going to be in just every ministry that we have here. They'll just be jumping in and learning everything hands-on. So just be prayerful. Um, think about them like when you're praying for people during the week. And yeah. And by the end of the year, they'll all be very comfortable speaking in public. So would you guys extend your hands this way as we pray, pray a blessing over all of them today? Uh, God, bless, uh, bless each of these uh, young men and women. I pray for uh, Brandon, God. I pray for Olivia. I pray for Nick, for Nathan, and for Caleb, God, that you'd bless them into this work that you're calling them in. God, I pray that you would develop them in uh, leadership, develop them in biblical knowledge, develop them in ministry, Lord, um, and pair them with mentors who can help them grow to their next stage in life. God, give them great wisdom, reveal to them your spiritual gifts, uh, and grant them uh, great favor, God, in all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. <clears throat> And if you know anybody who's interested in that, we're going to be doing it again next year, starting in September. And this is the largest group of interns we've ever had. So uh, Bridget and I, along with some of our assistant pastors that work with us, are super excited to have them in our lives. Um, so let's get into our message today. We are in our uh, vision weekends. We started last weekend looking at this idea of uh, the future and things that... Maybe God has convicted us in different areas of our life that we may have been lacking in or may have lost over these last few years. We talked about how um, difficult these last few years have been for us uh, as a, an entire world, um, struggling with things surrounding COVID and everything else in between, and that we have lost vision. A lot of us have lost vision. I know I've lost vision. Um, churches have lost vision. Um, families have lost vision. Um, some casualties we've seen over these last couple of years is, um, you know, many, many churches in our community closing down, many pastors leaving the ministry, um, but also, you know, many marriages ending uh, in divorce, many families going through a lot of struggle because we don't know how to react to this kind of stress um, that we find ourselves in. And so we talked about this idea of being bold once again, and that if the church does not stand out within a world that is very chaotic, which is very blurry, very confusing, then we're no different than the rest of the world. And so it's this idea of standing out versus fitting in. And God calls us uh, to be people of truth, but also people of grace and love and hope. And so we talked about the tension between those things, about boldly speaking the truth over situations in our world, but also the tension of showing great love. Uh, great grace and giving great hope to people who find themselves in all sorts of situations. And if you've never found yourself in all sorts of situations before, um, you will. We all go through all sorts of situations. And God wants to build us up, lift us up through the things that we go through. And I was actually just um, sitting in worship in my car this morning, and I, I just was thanking God and wrote a list of things I'm grateful for um, that he has used hard times to bring about. Um, and I, I'm just excited to see God use uh, your hard times and my hard times to bring you into greater and, and better things. I'm, I'm excited tonight. We get to, we're baptizing three people in our service tonight, and just see God use all sorts of situations to bring 
each of these uh, young people who've made this decision to follow Christ into um, this place of that next step in their faith of, of water baptism. I'm excited for these interns because different situations in life led them to where they're at. And each and every one of us has our future orchestrated for us by God. And so I do want to talk about the future. Um, when we think about the future, um, we often think about the far future. Um, I was a child in the 1980s, and, and during this time in, in my life as a child, and maybe some of you older than me, some of you younger than me, you had these different ideas of what the future might look like. And my idea where we would be in the year 2021 involved, I mean, first and foremost, flying cars. Um, we don't have flying cars, and I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated by this. Uh, we, don't have, we don't have hoverboards. They, we say we do, but they have wheels. They're not truly hoverboards. Uh, the future involved lunar colonies, you know, living on the moon, and we haven't even been to the moon in like 45 years. Uh, the future involved, um, there was all these images when I was a kid I would look at on National Geographic and popular science of like space stations that held cities within them that had self-gravitation, and this was beautiful. I was like, I'm going to live in space one day. And so we have these, these great, huge, giant ideas of the future, and maybe you are, you know, a little bit older generation, and you grew up with the Jetsons, and you're still waiting for that robot made in your house. I mean, I'm still waiting for, I think her name was Ruby, right? Still waiting for her. Like, she could do my laundry all day. And so we're not getting what we expected to get with the future. We were waiting for these cities built on platforms in the sky. And so instead, we got TikTok. <laughs> and we have Crocs. And lab-created super viruses and smart devices that spy on us and mom genes. That's what the future held <laughs> for all of us. It's like, how do we get back here? I mean, Crocs, man, that was a quick cycle. Like 10 years, they were in, they were out, now they're in again. And we longed for greater things in the future. Um, back in the 1990s, uh, the late-night television show uh, Conan O'Brien, he had this segment that um, my best friend and I just loved, and the segment was called In the Year 2000. Any of you ever seen that before? And, and they would uh, you know, wear these black robes and shine flashlights on their face and, and sing out in a high-pitched voice in the year 2000, and they would, they would just project all these amazing things that are going to happen in the year 2000. We're still waiting for that stuff. None of those things ever came. And so here's the deal. It's great to dream about the future. It is great to think about building a better tomorrow. And it's good to enjoy the latest technology. But sometimes we put way too much stock into those very things, and we forget where our future actually lies. So where does your future lie? Where, where does your future lie? And we're having here at this particular local church this idea of vision weekends. This, this is what we'd like to see our future. But really, that doesn't matter in comparison to what's the, the big picture of the future. And I want you to know, last weekend we said the future belongs to the bold. But in reality, our future is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in his salvation. Our hope is our presence with him in paradise following death. 
Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in his return. Our hope is in the resurrection and judgment of the dead. Our hope is in the vanquishing of the devil, his forces, sin, and death. My greatest hope is in Christ making all things new. He says in the book of Revelation, actually, behold, I make all things new. Our hope is an everlasting life with Jesus in what Scripture refers to as the new heaven and a new earth. This is where our future is. This is the future of the world. Whether we know Christ or not, our future is in Christ, and we must choose whether or not we want to be a part of this future with Christ or we want to reject him in rebellion. And so in Jesus, if our hope's in Christ, then the Holy Spirit is our assurance of the future. The Holy Spirit is actually the deposit for the future that we are going to experience. It's the deposit of the future hope that we have in Christ. And listen to this verse from Ephesians chapter 1. I love Ephesians as it's really, uh, it and Romans are just the greatest roadmap to salvation through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1 verse 11, it's talking about Jesus. It says, in Jesus we have obtained an inheritance. That's our future having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That's what we were just talking about. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. This is Paul saying, hey, this generation, we're the first to hope in Christ like this. He says in verse 13, he's speaking to the church in Ephesus. He's speaking to us today as the Spirit leads him. He says, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And I love this. He says, the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we have this hope in Christ. We have this hope that that does not disappoint. And in our culture, we misuse the word hope. And when we say we hope for things, what we're actually saying is we wish for things. We might say, you know, I hope that it rains tomorrow. I hope that it's sunny tomorrow. I hope that I get this job. I hope she says yes to this date. I hope he marries me. I hope we have children. Those things are not hope. They are desires. We could say, I desire these things. I am uh, wishing for these things. Or, in faith, I'm praying for these things. But hope is the assurance of something that will assuredly happen. You could say, hope is faith in something that will assuredly happen. And you might say, well, what then can we have hope in? This list that we just went through. What we have hope in, and the only hope we have is in Jesus, in the big picture of what Jesus is doing. And so those who possess this hope, who are those people that have this hope? Who are we that have this hope in Christ? And the answer to that is those who possess this hope in Jesus, those who have the hope of this future, if you will, um, are the church. The church. And I actually struggled with some grammar here because I wrote the sentence, those who possess this hope of the future is the church or are the church? We we who have this hope are the church. 
we who possess this hope of the future are the church. And you might say, well, what church are we talking about? We're talking about the church that Jesus built on the foundation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. We're talking about the church that Jesus is building. We're talking about the church that Jesus promised the gates of hell can't prevail against. We're talking about the church that Jesus told to go and make disciples of all nations. You know Jesus told us that? Go, make disciples of all nations. We're talking about the church that Jesus filled, that Jesus united, and that Jesus empowered with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the church that is called to be the hope and the light of the world. And so the church is the steward of this hope. And and, and last week, I I hope I I didn't give a a message of of disparity and doom and gloom, but, but I want us to feel this tension that the church is the steward of these things. And if, if the church disbands, if the church closes down, if the church stops being the church, if the church stops showing up, if the church stops worshiping and proclaiming the gospel and fellowshipping and serving the community, if the church stops those things, then we are not good stewards of the hope that we have in Christ. And we are to be a city on a hill whose light cannot be hidden. We are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of the earth. And Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. And, and actually, it's complicated to discuss. Like, what does it mean uh, to lose your saltiness? Does that mean we're just like grumpy or we're real edgy with people? No, it doesn't mean uh, the saltiness is that we are called to be the flavor and the preservative of life. We're called to shine light and hope into darkness. And so the church is the steward of the future. It's the steward of this hope that we have in Christ. And so we are to obey. We are to organize and conduct ourselves in such a way that God uses us to further build this kingdom and to grow his church. Which a common question that we have as Christians is, well, does God need us to do these things? And the answer is no but he's chosen for this to be the way. He's chosen for the church to be the steward of this hope. He has chosen for the church to go and make disciples. He has chosen for the church to be a a symbol, if you will, of the bride of him, the bride of Christ. And so that's who we're called to be. Does Jesus need this? No, but he chooses it out of love and out of hope for us to be in relationship with us so that we can bring him glory. And so of this idea of the church, Jesus then gives each faithful local expression of his church a role to play in building this future. And each church and each pastor must be obedient to that call and to that vision that God gives them to steward. And um, here in the Pacific Northwest, sometimes if you've never left this region before, you, you, maybe you don't fully understand how different we are, how, in a bad way, by the way, <laughs> how, how weird this place is. Um, because if you go to other parts of the country, um, these ideas of the church in many parts of the country are the norm. 
And, and you could see a church on every street corner on different states and, and what we call the Bible Belt today. And you might look at that and say, well, why does the community need so many churches? And I would say they need even more. They need even more. And the church who belongs to Christ, the church who puts faith in Jesus and who faithfully teaches the Bible and faithfully glorifies God through worship and discipleship and fellowship with one another, we're on the same team. We're on the same side. And so, so churches in this city are not competitors to this church. That would be foolish to think that they are because we're working together towards reaching our community with this future that we each steward. And each church and each pastor at each church and each person in each church has a role to play in reaching their community. And all churches, though they might seem radically different in style and how they do things, they're reaching the community for Jesus, and we are called to lock arms with them. And I think now more than ever before, it is crucial that the church join hands and walk arm in arm with one another and say, we're brothers, we're sisters, we're on the same side, we're on the same team, and we actually need more churches, not less. We, not, we ought not to be talking about churches closing, but instead churches opening, whether they're small or large or medium, it doesn't matter. We just need more stewards of this hope that we have in Christ. So listen to this idea here. The church is the one institution that won't go bankrupt. The church is the one institution that will not get canceled. The church is the one institution that will not be locked down, and it is the one institution that will not end. Because 200 years in the future, and 2 million years in the future, and 2 trillion years into the future, the church the bride of Christ will still be standing. Think about that. The church will still be standing in two trillion years from now. The bride of Christ right now is being brought before Jesus Christ, God the Son in the flesh who reigns and rules and who is resurrected in paradise right now, whom we are awaiting his return. He is forming us into being the bride in which he is returning for. And he will return and we will be with him and and in nations like Afghanistan, in nations like Iran, in nations like China, in nations like Turkey, where where rulers and leaders and governments and dictators and tyrannical leaders are saying the church cannot meet, the church cannot be the church. What we find out is that those churches in those nations are actually flourishing more than they are here. They just, they are. Uh, statistics are hard to find, but one statistic I've read is that there are far more, by number, far more Christians in China than there are in the United States of America. Because there's something about the church saying it can't be that makes the church be all the more. Because the future actually belongs to the bold. And it's no surprise because in the book of Acts, we learn that's where the church was born. And that's where the church grew. It was, it was in the Roman Empire where the church faced threats of death and persecution, both from the religious and from the government. And I was chatting with an Anglican priest yesterday, and, and he shared with me, he said, 
does not the New Testament say that during these times we should be meeting together all the more? And he was just saying, like, now is the time. Anglican, uh, Protestant, evangelical, charismatic, whatever. Those who call on the name of the Lord to be saved, we must recognize now is the time actually to flourish and not to shrink. So Ephesians 5 says this, talking about the bride of Christ. It's a verse about marriage, but then it introduces this mystery of this relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church. Um, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, he says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. But then in this encouragement for husband, he says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. How many of you on your own are holy? None. How many of you on your own are without blemish? Hardly. But this is the idea of sanctification, that Jesus is sanctifying his bride, the church, making her more and more like himself, purifying her to spend eternity with her. This is the future. The future is with Jesus. The future is the church. And so last week we said the future belongs to the bold. This week, The message is actually uh, the future belongs to the church. It does, because the church will never end. We say, but does the future belong to Fellowship Church? I'm just, no, I'm saying the future belongs to the church. The future belongs to the church. And the church belongs to Christ. And because we belong to Christ, the future also belongs to us. So I'd encourage you, step into that future. Step into the future of the church. Step into the future that belongs to the bold. And you might say, well, in churches there are hypocrites. In churches there are bad people. In churches there are people who abuse power. In churches there is drama. In churches there are... Well, the thing that sucks about churches is that there's people there. (laughs) Yeah, there is all these things. But it's what we're called to work towards and in and fellowship with. And it's messy and it's ugly and it's gross, but it's also beautiful and redeemable and filled with grace and love and with hope. The future actually belongs to the church. So what is the role of church? And, and just, this is a vision week, and I, it would behoove us to not talk about this church just a little bit. What's the role of this church? What's our calling? What's our vision? Because remember, last week we said, Without vision, people perish, Proverbs chapter 29 says. And we introduced to you just our vision. And if it's new to you, awesome. If you've heard it a hundred times, that's great. But our vision is to be a multiplying movement of passionate followers of Jesus who impact their community and beyond with grace, love, and hope. And this is not just a fancy sentence. It's something that, that we'd actually like to thrive towards and see. What does it mean to be a movement? It means that as a church, we don't want to be an institution. We don't want to be an organization. We want to be something that is organic, that has life, that spreads through word of mouth, that has a tangible atmosphere. 
We want this movement to be filled with passionate followers of Jesus, passionate in worship, passionate in ministry, passionate in prayer, passionate in generosity. Last weekend, when we were just talking about this idea of being bold, there, there was nothing special that was said as we preached or gave announcements or took up tithe and offering. But, but at the end of both of our services, we had, in particular, very young teenagers and young people weeping at the altar and in their seats for prayer because I see God raising up a generation that's actually passionate that adults can't even explain. And it was like, well, well wh- why? What? And our, our worship leader and I were discussing, like, what, what did we, Casey and I, what, what, what did we do that was different? And we were like, we didn't do anything. Just, we just made some space for God. And God does what God wants to do. We want this movement to multiply. Um, one thing I've discussed with many, many pastors over the last two years is that the future of the church is not just only large gatherings of people. During the, the 90s and the early 2000s, that was kind of the exclusive movement of the church is to gather large groups of people and gather and gather and grow and amass. But you see in the day and the age and the culture we're living in right now, the church is multiplying into smaller movements, into smaller communities where people can know and be known and minister and minister to one another and others more greatly. And so the future of the church is also churches that meet in multiple locations under the banner of Ascending Church. And that is the future, multiplying. We want this movement to make an impact. We want, we want a movement to make an impact with God's grace, with God's love, with God's hope. And we want that to be expressed through boldness and through truth. And so we want to see people saved. We want to see people be baptized to make a public declaration of their faith. We want to see people's lives transformed. We want to see people healed of sickness. We want to see people delivered from strongholds. And we want to see people set free. Uh, two reports I heard last week of, of God healing people of disease. I, I rejoiced with a brother in our church last week who, who's been battling cancer for the last year. And this last report was he was cancer-free. And to say, yes and amen, God's doing things. God, God does amazing things. So this idea of this multiplying movement, it needs to be far-reaching. Far-reaching in your city far-reaching in your neighborhood, far-reaching around the world, far-reaching wherever God leads you to reach. Um, I was talking again this last night with our, um, our church members over in Brazil, and they were like, we, we want to show um, our church what God is doing here. And he's going to have a video that we'll show you next week of some things God is doing. Um, God has, has called us to reach people and to help people and to equip people to do the ministry that they are called to do. In a couple of weeks, we're going to send some of our leaders to Oklahoma, where we're starting a church there in Oklahoma City, just to continue to encourage these leaders that are developing, that are growing, and that are starting to minister to their community also. So the future belongs to the church. What's the future of where God would send future belongs to the church. It belongs to the bold. I want to share with you, um, last weekend, we, we shared a couple of quotes by, by Walt Disney. And I had a couple of people come up to me. He's like, was Walt Disney a Christian? Was he a horrible person? Was he a communist? Was he that? Like, I don't know. I just know he made Disneyland. And um, I, there was no political or moral statement made by reading some quotes from Walt Disney. 
Um, but it was just this idea that this guy was a visionary. This guy had vision for where God would lead. And this quote I, I looked up about Disney, uh, I thought was applicable to what God would call us to as a church and what God would call each of you to in your ministry. Walt Disney said, you can design and create. You can build the most wonderful place in the world. But it takes people to make the dream a reality. So the same thing that makes church complicated is also the thing that the church is and that the church needs. So we can talk about reaching the lost. We can talk about bringing praise and glory to God and serving those less fortunate. But ultimately, it takes people to make a dream reality. Then he says this. He says, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. And I don't think his grammar was right on that. But listen again. He says, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. So where is God calling you? In the realm of a local church, if, if this is a local church God is calling you to, awesome. Yes and amen. That's, that's wonderful. But as a church, it's not our aspiration to have people in our church that God has not called here. It, it, it's our objective and our prayer and our desire that you would be in the church that God has called you to be in, to be planted and rooted and to grow so that you can be a people, a person within a body that moves the body forward. And, and it's it, this desire that, that each of us would not just talk about things, but we would actually start doing those things again. I had a conversation with, with a dear friend of mine this last week, and we were talking about how um, we send our children off to, um, to schools and to universities and, and preschools where there are good people and great children. But oftentimes we're finding that those children that are going into these places are, are coming home and, and being taught not just math and history and, and science, but, but being taught a worldview that is completely opposed to the worldview of Scripture. And we, we have young people coming out of these systems, again, where there's great people and great intentions. Um, believing things that are opposite of what Scripture says. And the, the conversation I was having with a friend the other day, we're talking about um, things that children and teens and young adults believe are right or wrong. And the conversation we were having, uh, my friend said, you know, I never talked to my child about this particular issue because I just assumed that they knew that this thing was wrong. But then they went to school and they learned that this thing was right. And and the, the reason I bring that up is because we have to start having conversations with our, with our kids again. That there's, there's a saying that says one generation believes something. The next generation assumes it. And the generation after that forgets it. And the generation after that rebels against it. And so it is our job as followers of Jesus to raise up our children in the ways that they should go. And while we send them to school to learn things, it's not the school's responsibility to teach your kids. It's not the church's responsibility to teach your kids. It's, it, it's, it's our role as parents, as grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles to raise up children in the way that they should go. So it's crucial that, that, as, that as older people that we not just say, like, let's dream and talk about 
the good old days. Let's dream and talk about how things used to be that were so good, were so golden, were so pure, were so wonderful, and then complain about how things are today. Instead, why don't we actually choose to walk in boldness, to walk in truth, partnered with grace, with love, with hope, to not assume anything about those we meet, the children that are in our lives, what they know or what they do not know, and instead choose to actually begin doing again. To not talk about how good things used to be, but to begin doing those good things now. And I can tell you, talking with young people this week, they are hungry for old people to step in and do something. They're hungry for old people to step in and to lay hands on them and bless them. They're hungry for old people to encourage them and say, yeah, it was hard for us too. And no, we didn't get to where we are overnight. It took 40 years of suffering and hard work and difficulty. And if you're an old person today, how old is old, Pastor? Anybody over 42? If you're an old person today, kids need you real bad, real bad. They're desperate for you. Don't be absent. Don't simply talk about things, but instead start doing things again. Because the future belongs to the church who belongs to Christ. And I was going to share some things this week. I won't, but I will next week. Maybe the week after. Maybe I'll throw our whole schedule off. But listen carefully as our worship team comes up to to close in, in some songs of worship. Um, God is going to be calling many of you to make actions that are based on boldness and are based 100% on faith. And the hope that we are walking into is not walked into without faith. And the hope and the future we are walking into is not walked into without great boldness. Faith and boldness. And there is something that I've learned far too often that when you make a decision to walk forward in boldness, when you make a decision to walk forward in faith, you might as well put a target on your back. Because the enemy doesn't like when God is about to do something and is doing something great in your life. So be prepared. Because taking steps of boldness and faith, you might as well kick a hornet's nest. And you'll get stung. But when you get stung, do not get discouraged and stop. Instead, continue forward in faith and the boldness that you possessed that got you on that journey to begin with. So don't be discouraged when things are not easy. Don't be discouraged when things are not simple. Don't be discouraged when things are not free. And do not be discouraged when you got to work hard for something because I'm telling you, it is worth it. You ever been through a crisis before? How many of you know crises don't end in a day? They take years sometimes to battle through and for. And what's lying on the other side is absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. So I'm inviting you to take some steps. I'm inviting you to become a part of the church In case you missed it, who's the church? The church is anyone who belongs to Christ. 
And if you belong to Christ, you don't just belong to the church, you are the church. And so you, you walk and live and breathe like it, and you do life with other people who are members of the same body, who you have to spend eternity with. We ought to figure it out a little bit now. So I'm the pastor of this church. I'd love to have you be a part and say, hey, I'd like to walk forward in boldness. I'd like to walk forward in faith. I'd like to walk forward in truth. I'd like to walk into the future of the church and this church. Awesome, yes, and amen. I'll give you some more details about that next week about how you can do that. Here's the last thing I say. What I've learned is you cannot be bold. You cannot have real faith and you cannot be a part of the church unless you are free. Free in Christ. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free from what? Free from sin? Free from our spiritual enemy? Free from death? And free from hell? You cannot walk in boldness and you cannot truly be the church unless you're free to have relationship with God, free to walk in grace, free to worship, free to have access to God, free to walk from your sin and towards Christ. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And in the culture we live in, like, sadly, the word freedom even though it's good, it's, it's become associated with just the, these concepts about America or the American flag or this political party or this. But, but freedom is, is, is much greater than any nation. Freedom belongs to Christ. And the future belongs to those who are free in Christ. Not in a political system, not in an empire, not in a government, not a president, not a political party, but free in Christ. And he who Jesus sets free is free indeed. So I'd encourage you, walk in freedom. Walk in freedom from sin. Walk in freedom toward relationship with Jesus. Walk in boldness with that freedom that you possess. And walk as a member of the body, the church. Would you pray? God, I thank you for your, uh, the word we read today. Uh, in Ephesians. Lord, I thank you that our, our future far surpasses our wish for hover cars or cities on the moon. But, but our future is in relationship with you. Our future is found in our faith in you. Our future is found as we move forward in boldness toward you. And our future is found in freedom that we possess in you. So God, help us to live free, help us to live bold, and help us to fully recognize our position in the church. Lord, if there's uh, anyone here uh, who does not belong to a local expression of a church, I ask in the name of Jesus that they would get connected, that they would find relationship, that they would find um, buy-in, that they, that they would begin to not just simply talk but do. And God, surround each church in this city and across this planet with, with people uh, who can help build your kingdom, not because you need us, 
but because you've called us. If there's anyone that does not know you today, Jesus, I pray that you would um, do what you do. Convict them of their sin. Show them their need for a Savior. Give them faith to trust in you, Jesus, and your life for them, your death for them, and your resurrection for them. God, as you give them faith, I pray they would fully embrace this grace and forgiveness and relationship that you have for them. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Jesus himself says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son to whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God is calling you to belong to him in Christ. So I'd encourage you, call out to Jesus, cry out to him, put your trust in him. Whether you have all the answers or not, and none of us do, Jesus isn't looking for all the right answers. He's looking for all of your faith, all of your life. So trust in him. So God, bless this time. Bless these words. Uh, Help us to honor you through these songs we're about to sing. God, as we uh, prepare tonight in our evening service to celebrate new life in Christ through baptism, thank you for the honor to be a part and to watch that. God, as we go about into this next year, thank you, uh, God, for what you will do in each person here, through each church in our community, and through this church, God. In Jesus' name, amen.